day boredom. Do you sit around at night looking at your phone while trying to find something to do? If so, ask your doctor about Cerrito Trivia. Well, actually, that'd be a little weird. Instead, just stop playing on your phone and start inviting your friends to play Cerrito Trivia. It's more than just your average mind-numbing pub quiz. It's a trivia night with questions about stuff you and your friends know and like. Featuring unique weekly themes, including TV shows, movies, music, current events, and more. All shows are free to play. For more information on locations, times, weekly themes, and drink specials, visit CerritoTrivia.com or like Cerrito Trivia on Facebook and browse the best team name Hall of Fame. And by the way, did you know Cerrito Trivia isn't just for bars and restaurants? Contact CerritoTrivia at gmail.com to bring Memphis's most unique trivia experience to your next party, work function, or special event. Cerrito Trivia is the perfect prescription for everyday boredom. Warning side effects may include wind prices, laughing out loud, high five eating mass quantities of delicious food, consumption of adult beverage, right kitchen scissors, and spending quality time with friends. CerritoTrivia.com. Attention all grandmas, grandpas, nanas, and pop-pops. Bingo is not just for you anymore. Introducing Cerrito Bingo. It's a modern twist on a classic game for everyone to enjoy. Play 10 exciting rounds of free bingo every week at locations all over the Memphis area. For more info, visit CerritoBingo.com. Cerrito Bingo is the game-o. Now play Cerrito Bingo every Sunday fun day at Laughlin Yard, every Tuesday during Pike Night at Elbow, and every Friday night at Memphis Maid's Tap Room. Live from Flynn Broadcasting in Memphis, Tennessee, it's time for Cerrito Live. Here's your host, Kevin Cerrito. And we're here at the Sports 56 Station. This is Anthony Sainz. No Kevin Cerrito today. I'm here filling in for him while he's out screwing around on the M-Town. But I'm here at the Sports 56 Studios. About to have some fun. Got my guy Drew Beard on the other side of the glass. Not sure if Drew is paying attention to me, but I'm going to say what's up to Drew anyway. Drew, what's up, my guy? Drew, you, 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 you good, my guy? I'm straight. That's good, man. Another Saturday morning. This It's a wet, kind of dreary Saturday morning, but we're here, man. We're, we're, we're here anyway. To uh, do we doing this Saturday morning? Like I said, Kevin Cerrito is out screwing around on the town, and I'm filling in for him. I got my guy Drew across the glass. Got a pretty good show planned for today. I have my guy Jonah Jordan from the Daily Memphian is going to be in. Got Amar Sankofa from the Athletic. He's going to come in. Jonah's going to talk about some uh, Tiger basketball, some Tiger football. Amari's going to come in and talk Grizzlies with me as always. Um, second hour, I've got Contar Macklin, who's the commissioner of Nine on One Wrestling, which is at the rec room every Saturday night. And Cerrito's going to check in. He's going to quit goofing off, and he's going to call in. And he's going to do a segment with me in the second hour of the show. So, Drew, how, how has your week been, man? Everything been okay? Oh, it's it's been good, man. I just hate that it started to rain today because it's been a perfectly perfect oh, weather yeah. week. The weather's been off the chain. And yeah. then today when everything's supposed to be going on, the Hot Wing Festival, yeah. a crawfish festival down at Overton, I'm personally moving today. <laughs> it's got to rain. Yeah, well, um... I think Jonah's on the other end. Is that correct? He's on hold? Yeah, he's online. All right, so we're going to bring Jonah in. This is my guy, Jonah Jordan, from the Daily Memphian. Jonah, what it do, man? Oh, man, not so much. I'm glad to hear you on the radio, though. Man, I know, man. It's, it's like it's like it's a, uh, it's like a conspiracy, almost, to keep me off the, off the airways, man. <laughs> no, but... <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of conspiracies, man, I, uh, I, I know that you're here for Tiger stuff, but I'm sure you saw... The uh, the pseudo lottery that the NBA had uh, yesterday for to determine where the Grizzlies' final standings on the season would be in, in the reverse uh, standings, so to speak. Did you, were you able to check that out? Yeah, they ended up at eight, right? Yeah, they ended up at eight. This is crazy, bro. Because I'm I'm looking at it, I'm like, okay, so they can put this on, they can televise this this lottery drawing on television, but we all know that the actual lottery for the draft is not going to be televised. They're not going to show you not one ping pong ball uh, coming out of the machine. 
So you know I'm a big NBA draft conspiracy. So, uh, oh, know. I am too. Oh, I, I'm, there's there's no way the NBA draft is random, bro. I'm just not buying it, bro. Like, uh, forget the number one pick this year. We all know it. Let's just move on from it. Go ahead and give him Zion, and we'll just figure out the rest of the draft after that. Where did you say Zion's going? The Knicks. Oh yeah, he's either going to the Knicks or to the Bulls, man. Like, it's, he's he's not going anywhere else. Like, it's it's done. I really hope the Lakers somehow get the number one pick because then then we can really talk about it being rigged. And oh yeah, just, exactly. Like, is it probably rigged? I mean, eh, I don't know. Mm. Maybe, maybe not. Am I going to – do they help teams out a little bit? Maybe, maybe not. Yeah. But am I going to talk about it like it absolutely is? Oh, 100%. Yeah, I, I don't think they do it every season. But when, Whenever it's convenient to a certain market, which, of course, would be convenient to the NBA, I think that they're, they rigged the hell out of it. After, after actually watching the ping pong balls yesterday, I'm glad I don't have to in the real lottery because right. that is the most boring <laughs> thing I've ever done. Wasted a good right. 10 minutes 10 of minutes. my life mm-hmm. just to hear Mr. Monotone go, Dallas. <laughs> and they stretched Memphis, it out. They stretched it out. Big New Orleans. I mean, just put the balls in, man. Right. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, that's what she said. But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. But, yeah, I got Jonah with me. Uh, Jonah, I'm sure you were at Friday Night Stripes last night, which is – I'm sure other Tiger or, or whatever related teams use Friday Night Stripes for the spring game. But shout out to whoever with the University of Memphis decided that name. It's a pretty dope name, bro. Oh, yeah, it's pretty great. I mean, it was a fun time. Um, I'd say about, I think, two or 3,000 people showed up. Um, there's getting to be more and more people every year that he's done this. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a good time. I mean, they went out. They did two periods of football where they played against each other and then where the coaches ran players, they did their thing. Um, and then they went two periods of the guest coaching, which was TV versus radio, and TV ended up winning. Um my guy Jeff Calkins' offense uh, failed to score any points. Really disappointing, <laughs> but uh, it was a good night. Brady White looked good. They looked fun. They the defense was looking the best they've looked in a long time. So it was a good time. Well, you know, Jonah, last year, me and you played a game where um, we wanted oh, to man. see we wanted to see how many Tiger players I can name. I think we set the bar at five, and I wasn't able to name five guys. I can I can guarantee you, I can't name five now. I know who Brady White you is. Study up. I, get, yeah, I got to do better, man. That's probably why I can't get on Memphis Radio, bro, because I can't name five guys that play for the Tiger Force. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> I mean. So, so who's back this year, Jonah? Like, who are the guys, the, uh, the key so guys on both sides? A big reason, so I don't know if you saw it over the weekend, but Bill Connolly over at SB Nation mm-hmm. um, said that Memphis could should be one of the best Power 5 teams in the, in the nation. and they should, Non-Power 5, you mean? Non-Power 5, okay, yeah, yeah. Non-Power 5 teams in the nation, and they could theoretically go to a power six bowl because all of these advanced analytics advanced s&p they love memphis because they have so many returning players they have like the third most returning mm-hmm. talent in the nation I actually did they, see really, they only really lost three or four contrib guys who really contributed in the last two years they lost daryl tone daryl henderson tony pollard curtis akins and um a few offensive linemen which the offensive linemen are important, but I they have one of the highest paid um, offensive line coaches in the non power five, so they should be able to figure it out. Um, but like they've got guys like Dustin Woodard on the offensive line coming back, Patrick Taylor's coming back, Demonte Coxey, Joey Magnifico, Brady White. That's an offense right there that should be able to put up points with anybody. And then on defense, you've got T.J. Carter, obviously. Um, O'Brien Goodson, John Tate, 
um, defensive lines where they added the most talent. Though. They really injected some young talent like Everett Cunningham and Coyote Oledele into that um, into that unit. And then they've got safeties coming back, Tyrus Lindsey, Sanchez Blake. They're very excited about how those guys have grown. So it, it, there's a lot of talent to be excited about, a lot of talent coming back. Um, fans shouldn't be have to break out the roster really to learn a lot of people's names. Except for me, of course. Yeah, except for you. But I know Joey Magnifico. He's been there like seven years, so I, I know that name. Well, Joey <laughs> Magnifico has been there. He's had a different tight ends coach every year he's been in Memphis. So wow. He's been here for five years, and he's had one, a different one every year. So do you think that Memphis will be – will this be the season that, they, that they're better than UCF, or, or is UCF still going to be a juggernaut in the ACC? Well, people are expecting Cincinnati to kind of take that step and take that throne from mm-hmm. – um, take that throne from UCF. Um, they were really good last year. UCF's kind of taking a step back. They lost a bunch of weapons. Um, they're going to have a, a new quarterback for really the whole season next year, whether it be Brandon Wimbush or the guy that beat Memphis in the championship game last year. So um, I really think that it'll be Cincinnati or Memphis. Uh, that's those are your two guys, two teams right there. Um, I know people say, "Oh, Memphis lost Daryl Henderson, Memphis lost Tony Pollard," but they have the talent to compete with anybody in this conference right now, and I don't think Memphis fans should be worried. All right. Well, how much uh, pressure do you think is on Coach Norvell? I mean, the, the honeymoon is officially over with him. He got some criticism last year for basically losing leads against UCF twice last season. Do you think there's any pressure on him this year? Or is he still is he still in a honeymoon phase with the fans? Um, I mean, you can say that people put pressure on him or whatever last year, but he still received an extension. He's going to probably be offered another extension after this year. I mean, mm-hmm. the only way I can see him feeling any sort of pressure is if they win less than six or seven games or don't go to a bowl game. I think people are putting pressure on him to win a bowl game because he hasn't done that yet. Right. Uh, this will be his fourth um, If he makes one in the fall this year, It'll, it'll be his fourth one. So people really want that to happen because it's been been a minute since Memphis won one. So, you know, that, that's kind of the goal this year to go out there and win a bowl game. But, no, I don't think there's any pressure on him, so to speak. I, I think people have high expectations because he set the bar very high, and I, I don't think he has any problem with that. Well, Norvell has um... – He's turned down offers, well, rumored offers at least from other universities. And he, and when you talk to him, he seems like he genuinely wants to be here. Do you think that that's real or he's waiting for um, a particular university, a particular situation that he wants to go to? Um, so both things that can be true. I mm-hmm. think that um, I think that he does love Memphis. His family and him have both have embraced Memphis like no other coach that we've had here I mean, in a long time. That goes for basketball and football. They've embraced the city. They go out of their way um, to do things in Memphis, like the 901 FC team offered him to do that guitar smash, and he immediately agreed. There was never a thought in his mind, like, oh, I'm not going to do that, you know? Mm -hmm. He loves Memphis. He loves the city. He loves the culture that he's built here. He loves loves Memphis, and I think that that says a lot, but also – the thing he said always is he's never going to take a job to take a job. Like last year, I'm sure he could have tried really hard to go just take a job, mm-hmm. but there were never there never were ones that really I thought fit him well. I thought the Georgia Tech job maybe, but they it was pretty clear from the get who they were going to hire. So I think that he's going to 
take his time and go somewhere where he can win, mm-hmm. where he can take his family and they'll be happy. That's what they did with Memphis. They they waited, they bided their time because he had other job offers right. before he before he came to Memphis. So now he's in a position where he can win, where he can recruit, where he can hire people. So he'll go to a similar situation. He's not going to take a job just because it's time for him to take a job. Well, you said something I think is a good point and a fair point is that um, it could be both. You know, he could be waiting on the situation and he could genuinely love Memphis. I know that he – he's a coach that obviously seems that he gets it. He gets it. He has to be involved in the city. When Penny Hardaway was, was uh, named head coach of the team, he had blue phone posits on at, you know, one of the practices. So he gets it. He, he gets the things that the city – you know, cares about, but like, that could also be finesse. You know, it could be something he well, he's aware that okay, you know, I have to be the good guy. I have to market myself as well. So uh, I'm not really sure about it, but I, I like him pretty much, and I think that uh, I think that the Tiger football thing in Memphis is real. I, you guys know I joke about it on Twitter all the time that I think it's I don't think I didn't think it's real, but I think it's legit now. I think that the city really has embraced Tiger football, and it's something that the city is going to be passionate about. Uh, for years to come. But transitioning, um, I mentioned Penny Hardaway in the basketball program. Uh, Penny had his first season. You, of course, covered the Tigers and uh, Tigers basketball and football teams. Uh, Penny had his first season. It came to a close. He's in the middle of recruiting right now. It's a lot of buzz going on with the Tigers. What's your general overview as far as recruiting goes right now, Joan? Well, what, before that, what was your opinion on the season? Uh, Penny's first season, the highs and the lows, then we'll jump into the recruiting. So first season, I mean, I think I talked about this a lot. I kind of, I was one of the very few people who were kind of pounding on NIT as the ceiling for this team, NIT as the ceiling for this team, and they ended up making the NIT, and I could have said, you know, oh, I was right, they're going to make the NIT, I thought they were NIT as a team the whole season, but in reality, um, Penny kind of made a misstep at the start of the season because I think, and I think he, he won't admit it, as, or he won't talk about it as much, but starting Tyler Harris at point guard and Alex Thomas at point guard and mm-hmm. forcing Jeremiah Martin off the ball kind of lost them some games. Yeah, it did. Um, and I think it's a good lesson. It was a good lesson for him to learn um, that recruiting promises can kind of come up and bite you in the butt in the end. Right. But he was able to turn it around. He did some great things on the court that I was really impressed with. Um, he, he showed off that he's a really smart coach, in all honesty. Um, I was impressed because everything – we knew what we were getting off the floor. We were getting right. recruiting, getting um, savvy. We were getting all the excitement, the everything. We didn't know what the on-the-floor product was going to look like um, because he'd never coached college before. And he was able to come in and was like, oh, there's a reason this guy's been so successful everywhere he's been. Mm-hmm. So I this season I, I was wanting to see growth from the freshman, growth from Penny, and every box he kind of checked. So now we're going into next season with, um, I mean, he, he after an impressive first year with a number nine recruiting class that could end up being the top one in the nation. Mm-hmm. Speaking of that, as far as recruiting, um, being someone who's taking a look at the um, recruiting situation from the outside looking in, you're closer to the situation than I am. Um, it kind of has a feeling where Penny can either have this ridiculously awesome class coming in next year, or he could have a class that's, Pretty good, but not particularly great. Where he he could, there are certain things that could swing him having five, you know, five star guys in his starting five, or one thing, one ball can drop and all those guys can go scatter somewhere else. Uh, what what's your feeling today that you what how, which which way do you think it will swing as far as recruiting goes? So yeah, it could go from 
one of like the best class Memphis has ever had. Right. It's just a really, really good class. Mm-hmm. Like, let's not get it twisted. James Wise and DJ Jeffries, Malcolm Dangerous, Damian Ball is fantastic. Exactly. And he's got three spots and he's going to add to it. So either way, it's going to get better. It's going to be one of the best, probably one of the better ones we've seen in a long time. Um, but yeah, it could easily swing from really good to legendary, right? Like this mm-hmm. could be something that we remember. Like this is why they hired him. So either way, you're in a good spot. <laughs> like right. let's not complain. Like either way, you're doing great. So but yeah, I mean, you could land R.J. Hampton, turn to Walker and Lester Canones, and things could go well. But right now, I think they're kind of in a situation where. They don't even know. What's, I think we, we have a good idea of what's going to happen. I think they're going to land Trina Watford. I talked to mm-hmm. him the other night. Um, they're gonna, I think they can land Lester Canones. I think those two guys. Um, well, that's a ridiculous class already, just just with yeah. the guys that you, you name. The cherry on top is, is going to be R.J. Hampton. I think it's a little um, bit more than a cherry, but yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> he might like be the whole a, Sunday. Yeah. He could change everything. I mean, that's the guy that could come in, and he's a top five projected pick for in the NBA draft. Mm-hmm. And then you have two guys that are top five projected. Those people projecting you as number 21 preseason um, top whatever, or number 25, number 24, they didn't really get outside of the 20s and those mm-hmm. way too early projections. Right. You're going to be projected top five, top three, maybe even top two. So it, it, it makes a big difference. Right. Um, I think with Trent and Watford, we've got to watch out for Duke. And all like Duke is um, maybe still bring him in for a visit. I talked to him about it the other day. Mm-hmm. They're lingering. They haven't they haven't offered, but they're lingering. And that's a program that can maybe even just end up offering a kid, and it changed the whole complexion right. of their recruitment. Nobody knows that they will. They're kind of waiting on some other guys, but um, that's the immediate two guys with Lester Canones and Trenton Wofford. They could end up with Precious Achua, but as of right now, to me, it seems unlikely. How how weird is it that we're saying, yeah, we, we might have to watch out for Duke as far as uh, out-recruiting Memphis. Like, how, how weird is it saying that in 2019 compared to 2017 or whatever as far as recruiting goes? We're actually saying, yeah, we, we think we can get this kid, but you always got to watch out for Duke. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. it's, just, it's just amazing that we can say that here uh, this season compared to seasons past. Yeah, um, I mean, last year I'm talking about junior colleges. Right. And – where those kids are going, and now we're talking about Duke and Kentucky at the mm-hmm. distance. Yeah, it's it's a great feeling uh, to see the progress the Penny's done with the team so far. Uh, ask you another question, Joan. This is just an assumption, again from the outside looking in. Um, it seems like the the, the Trent Watford situation depends a lot on what Matthew Hurt decides to do. Would you agree that that's pretty much where it goes as far um, as? Um, I think I'm only really in relation to Duke. Like, if he goes to the Kansas, I think that Duke could turn the heat up. That's one of the guys we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, like, if he ends up going to Kansas or Kentucky, I think those are really the only two other schools he would go to other than Duke. Mm-hmm. They're gonna, they could turn the heat up on Trenton, and then it's gonna be, um, it's gonna be really interesting. Though, but Hurt decides the day before. Watford, I think that's one thing that's in, in a good, which makes, which puts Memphis in a good situation. Hurts deciding the 19th, Watford's deciding the 20th. Those are firm decision dates. They're not going to change them. So, um, as far as uh, RJ Hampton, it's just another situation where, you know, Duke pretty much has this in the palm of their hands. Um, would you say that 
what do you think the realistic chances are of him coming in as opposed to going to Duke and getting in, oh. in the backcourt with Trey Jones? Trey Jones looks scarily similar to his brother, too. Because when I first saw oh, yeah. Trey Jones, I was like, crap, dude looks like the dude that was just there. But, yeah, I didn't realize it was his brother, but go ahead. Yeah, his and looks like the same person. Right. Um, so, RJ Hampton, very, very good point guard. He's, God, I mean, he's great. I mean, he's fantastic. He, Penny Hardaway is the perfect coach for him. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, Duke could get him. Kentucky could get him. I think those are your two biggest contenders right now. I, if I think he were deciding today, and all honesty, I think he'd come to Memphis. But a lot can happen between now and then. Um, but just imagine a situation where you have R.J. Hampton backed up by Tyler Harris and Alex Lomax. Like, that's crazy to me. Like, a top-five pick mm-hmm. surrounded by local Memphis guys is just kind of why you brought in Penny Hardaway. I mean, this is, this is why... This is why they fired Toby Smith and hired him because before this was not even in the realm of possibility. Right. If you had mentioned this to anybody, they'd been like, "Oh yeah, okay, he's not going to play for Toby Smith." Like this is just—it's crazy to think about. But uh, before uh, we move on, John, let me ask you one more question. As far as that, you said something interesting. As far as uh, the local players, where you've got Alex Lomax, you got Tyler Harris, and now you've got uh, Damian, Damian Ball, who's committed but hasn't signed because the spring period hasn't started yet. Uh, do you see any conflict there? If you bring in R.J. Hampton, you already got these three Memphis kids who are going to have their internal rivalries. You know who's going to be there. You know they're going to have their issues. Then you're going to have this other guy who's, like you said, this top five NBA talent. Do you see that being an issue, whether it's a thing where uh, Damian Bond doesn't actually end up signing, he might go to another school, or do you think that's something they'll be able to mesh out well? So I was told the other day that he will be signing with Memphis, that they're not really worried about it. Okay. Uh, and, you know, Damian and Tyler were both team bad guys. They know each other. Mm-hmm. Tyler helped field that that deal. Um, and Alex is really just a go of the flow kind of guy. Like he's right. going to work as hard as he can to get on the floor. Him and Tyler have really gotten along so far. They've worked really hard together. They work mm-hmm. out together. They do a lot of stuff together, and I think that's a good thing because we've seen in the past when Memphis guys get on the same team, they kind of go in separate directions and they don't really get along that mm-hmm. well. Sometimes. So I, I think it's, that was important. And they, they're, they both understand that they're establishing a culture here, that they're turning things completely in a different direction under Penny. And I think that they've kind of embraced that role, both of them. John, I got a question for you real quick. Uh, obviously you talked about how the Tigers had three scholarships available. We, Figured Victor Eno was going to transfer due to the fact of zero playing time. But Antoine Jones, Penny had talked to him uh, talked him up all year saying he's the most talented. He's got the most upside out of all these freshmen. And three weeks ago, he's telling Drew Hill, uh, Drew Hill of uh, the commercial appeal that he's a Tiger. He loves Memphis. This is where he wants to get better. This is where he wants to be. And then he transfers. Is it Penny say, going to Antoine saying, hey, man, we've kind of recruited over you i can help you out i can get you someplace else or is this jones's camp you know getting in his ear telling him he needs to go somewhere what was the do you know the real reason of why antoine jones decided to transfer um as much as penny talked all year about how much he loved antoine how talented antoine could be there was always this also but antoine needs to get his head right antoine needs to get his head right that was always the language he used um because antoine couldn't stay on the floor um, he's very emotional guy. Off the floor, they had um, they had to deal with him a lot. Um, he's a handful. And Penny talked about in one practice they had to kick him out because he was yelling. He couldn't act right, and that he was not reacting well to, to coaching. 
Um, and I think that's a, some, a situation that continued to evolve near the end of the season, and both parties just came to a conclusion that they needed to move on, and that was probably better for both of them. Jonah, I have one more final question uh, before we wrap up the segment for today. I want to thank you for coming out too as well, man. It was 10 o'clock on a Saturday morning. I'm glad you could come on. Um, James Wiseman, been getting a lot of pub lately, whether it's locally and especially nationally. He had an article came out in the Undefeated. Um, I know at first a lot, of, a lot of national consensus was that, yeah, he's good. He's probably the best player in the class, but it's going to be a weak class. Big fall off from, from the current class that has the Zion Williamson's of the world. But now you're seeing people saying that he's this phenomenal player that – you know, could be, you know, the cream of the crop in, in college basketball next season. What do you think? Do you think that's legit? Do you think it's just basically, well, somebody's got to be the best player or or did he legitimately has made a turn that's made him this elite uh, pro prospect? Because at first, you know, a lot of people say, well, he'll probably be decent in college, but he'll be a lot better in, in the NBA in a few years or whatever. So do you think he's he's becoming this phenom type player? Do you think that's legit or was it just kind of media buzz? So, Last summer, I mean, I talked to you about it, and I was one of those mm-hmm. guys that was like, he could totally be a better pro than college player just because of his demeanor, the way he kind of he just dealt with adversity, kind of how he played against other people sometimes. And I, I, I still think that's the case, but that he'll be a better pro than college player, but that's just because I think he's going to be such a good pro. Like, he's going to be the next Chris Bosh. Like, this kid could come in here and light up college. Like, he's taken a turn over the last year where he's turned into a dominant basketball player. He's turned into a guy who can play or who can take over a game on offense and defense. Like, last night you saw him, he had seven blocks against some of the top talent in the nation because he just felt like dominating on defense. And it's just everybody is so excited about him, and he's going to, like, he he could, he's going to be a top 10 pick. He'll probably. I think he'll probably end up being a top five pick. I don't want to say he's going to be the number one pick yet because you know how much can happen, how much changes, how much guys, other guys end up developing. Right. It's just so far away. Um, but yeah, I, I think he's going to be incredible. I, I, I'm so excited. I've taken a, a, I've done a complete 180 on him. I think he's just going to be fantastic. Right. I, I always thought he was going to be good in college. I just didn't know how good. And then this last year's just convinced me that he's just going to blow the doors off of everybody. Like, like, if Memphis puts more talent around him, I, I think next year could could be incredible. Well, Jonah, I'm, only thing I'm concerned about with James Wiseman is I'm, I'm, I'm concerned that the, the, the super small shorts that he wears are, are going to transition over to the University of Memphis hey, as well. So. Guess what? Get used to it. Yeah, they're coming, all aren't the, they, man? All the, all the young kids wear the short shorts. You're going to have to get back used and to it. And it's crazy, man, because, you know, I'm, I'm an old guy, uh, <laughs> and – I just remember when guys used to wear these insanely big uniforms. I remember when the Tiger basketball shorts literally were sitting on top of their shoes. Yeah, yeah, Derrick Rose had that. Yeah, uh, Andre Allen shorts literally were sitting on top of his shoes, and now these guys are wearing boxer briefs. You know what I mean? Because that guy from um, who is it that we lost to in the, in, the, in the tournament? Houston, right? That guy for Houston. Yeah. That guy had like yeah. you know, he had like a diaper on, man. A freaking pull up depends. <laughs> But yeah, but, you got to get used to it. Yeah, it's got to get used to it. But I'm down for it, man. If if it, if it, if the number one player in the country and and you know this year's elite college prospect uh, has to wear baby shorts, I'm I'm down for it, man. Well, hey, Jonah, man. Jonah, we appreciate you, bro. <laughs> there's a situation where James Wiseman could be a Grizzly in two years. Right, Think right, yeah, that. yeah, exactly. And even if he's not, you know, you get the 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 the, the, the letter to the the Player Tribune, the coming home letter. To, oh, yeah. He, yeah, when he comes and signs with Memphis in, in, you know, five or six years or whatever. But, Jonah, it's been a blast, man, as always. Good to have you on. We're about to take a break. Uh, Jonah, appreciate you, bro. Yes, sir. Thank you. Y'all have a nice day, man. All right, man. That was Jonah Jordan from the Daily Memphian. He was talking some Tiger football, some Tiger basketball uh, with us just then. We're going to take a break. 
Uh, Drew, when we come back, we're going to have my guy Omari Sankofa from the, uh, the Athletic. He's new to the city of Memphis this, this year. We're going to talk about his transition to the city. We're going to talk about the Grizzlies. So much stuff going on with the Grizzlies. I put some stuff out on Twitter today about my thoughts about something that's buzzing that I've heard has some legs to it, and we're going to talk about that as well when we come back, and it's going to be Cerrito Live. We'll see you then. Greg Gaston, Eli Savoy. Sports 56 Middays comes your way from 10 to 1 every weekday. Presented by FedEx on Sports 56 and 87.7 FM. Are you one of the many necessary residents who suffer from everyday boredom? Do you sit around at night looking at your phone while trying to find something to do? If so, ask your doctor about Cerrito Trivia. Well, actually, that'd be a little weird. Instead, just stop playing on your phone and start inviting your friends to play Cerrito Trivia. It's more than just your average mind-numbing pub quiz. It's a trivia night with questions about stuff you and your friends know and like. Featuring unique weekly themes, including TV shows, movies, music, current events, and more. All shows are free to play. For more information on locations, times, weekly themes, and drink specials, visit CerritoTrivia.com. Or like Cerrito Trivia on Facebook and browse the best team name Hall of Fame. And by the way, did you know Cerrito Trivia isn't just for bars and restaurants? Contact Cerrito Trivia at gmail.com to bring Memphis's most unique trivia experience to your next party, work function, or special event. Cerrito Trivia is the perfect prescription for everyday order. Work side effects may include wing prices, laughing out loud, high five, eating mass quantities of delicious food, consumption of adult beverage, right paper scissors, and spending quality time with friends. CerritoTrivia.com. How's it going, everybody? I'm Nick Schifani. And I'm Adam Schifani. In addition to being brothers, we're the founders of Nerd 901, a blog and podcast embracing the nerd culture in Memphis and around the world, all from our home base here in the 901. You can check out our team's exclusive content at nerd901.com. And while you're on the site, you'll want to take a look at the latest Surreal Entertainment schedule. Every week, we post an updated list of Surreal's upcoming bingo and theme trivia events, from TV shows to video games to music to movies and much more. No matter what you like, Surreal Trivia has a theme night just for you. And with our handy guide, you'll never miss out on any of our free fun. Nerd out about trivia and whatever else you love at nerd901.com and our Twitter at nerd underscore 901. Nerds unite! Now, back to Cerrito Live on Sports 56 and 87.7 FM. We're back to Cerrito Live Saturday morning. Here at Sports 56 is Anthony Sane of the Memphis Flyer and Outsiders podcast. I'm guest hosting, of course, for Kevin Cerrito, who I said is probably somewhere screwing around in the city of Memphis. I, I just saw he hit me up on Twitter, so he's probably taking a bathroom break or something like that. But I got my guy Drew Baird across the glass. Drew, what's going on, man? You good? I'm still good, man. It's still good, good. It's good to see you made it back from the break, man, because if you weren't here, I wouldn't know what to do, bro. Just, it's it's the, the buttons, they look complicated, but they're really not. You only need to know about five or six. Yeah, cause I've actually been on the other side of the glass for for another station that's, that's barely existing, but I, I was on the other side of the glass before. Yeah, it's just like riding a bike. I bet yeah. you can figure it out. Yeah, man, I got it. It's, it's probably a few more buttons over there, but it's all good. Um, we got my guy, Amari Sankofa from The Athletic, who's uh, on the other end. Uh, he's about to come on, and we're about to talk some, some grizzly stuff. We've got so much grizzly stuff going on in the last couple of days. It's been a madhouse, Drew. So we're going to talk about uh, to Amari about some of that stuff. A guy who's not from the city who just moved here, so I'm sure he has a totally different way of looking at it than us guys who've been born and bred here. So I got my guy Amari Sankofa. Amari, what's going on, bro? Hey, what's going on, uh, son? Man, be yeah. on, uh, you sound sleepy, man. You good, bro? I'm good, man. You <laughs> you, uh, <laughs> you you hit me up this morning at like eight eight. Yeah, I, I had to, bro. I had to. <laughs> I know you weren't doing nothing, but so, so I went on and hit you up, bro. Amari, uh, it's good to have you on. This is your first season here um, with the Grizzlies, uh, the Athletic. This is their first season having uh, dedicated beat writers to the uh, Grizzlies. I think this is their first. This isn't their first season doing NBA at all, though, is it? 
I did some NBA here and there a few years back. Uh, my intern was SI three years ago, Sports Illustrated, and I did some NBA stuff for them. Uh, no, I mean athletic. Stuff. Athletic. This is this isn't their first year doing NBA. This is just the Grizzlies' first season, right? This is just the Grizzlies' first season. Okay. Yeah, that's yes, what I thought. Like some other markets beforehand. Right. Well, uh, like I said, you're new to the city, so the things that you're seeing, you're looking at it from a from a different standpoint. Uh, you you might not be as in, in ingrained in the the history of of, of, of screw ups with the Grizzlies organization, but the ones that you're seeing uh, recently are all new to you. Um, we were we were together at Grizzlies the the media day not media day the end of season um, media availability with the exit interviews and things like that. Um, we were kind of shaking our heads to some of the things that Chris Wallace was saying, some of the things that JB Bickerstaff was saying. I personally was enthused to see um, Jaron Jackson kind of embrace um, the the new leadership and being the man uh, next season. Uh, he, he, you asked a question about Kevin Garnett. I was kind of afraid to ask that question, but you asked a question about him and Kevin Garnett's relationship. He said he can't wait to get with him, but he knows he has to get get his mind right and get his body right for KG, who we know is a monster. And, um, you know, Kyle Anderson came out and spoke. Mike Conley, uh, of course, gave an interview where basically – you can take it any way you want. Some people say it looks, sounds like he's coming back. Some people say it sounds like a man who's who's got more than one foot out of the door. Um, but, of course, the shocker of that afternoon was uh, the announcement that the Grizzlies would be parting ways with uh, head coach J.B. Bickerstaff, who got an endorsement from Chris Wallace at the media event. And then he also said that he he feels like it's good to know that the owners and, and, the, and the front office are in, in, his, uh, in his corner. He was let go, and and he we received word that JB Bigstad will be replaced, and that um, the Grizzlies had some transitioning in the uh, front office. Not so they they didn't really do a great job of hiding the fact that these guys are already in positions, actively doing the things that they're about to be doing now. But they pretty much relabeled everyone and restructured the front office. What were your thoughts on the whole thing um, as you saw those uh, that news develop that afternoon, Omar? Yeah, there was a clear lack of synergy on Thursday during the end of season in- interviews uh there was there was clearly something that was disconnected at some point that day where you have your your standing GM and Chris Wallace endorse your head coach at the time JB Bickerstaff uh you know only for three hours later or less than three hours later for both of them to be shown out of the door uh you know I know the way things went down kind of caught people within the organization off guard mm-hmm. and um it it really just wasn't a good situation. Uh, J.B. Bickerstaff, you know, that's a lot said about his first uh, official year as head coach, you know, whether it's it's some of the good you saw late in the season, you know, as far as just getting guys to get up every day and compete in a season that's lost or the 12-5 start at the beginning, uh, in, in contrast to the middle of the season where there were some questionable rotation decisions and uh, they won six games total in January and February, mm-hmm. uh, which was really kind of a death blow for them. Uh, you know, and that obviously falls on the coaching staff despite some injuries during that time. Uh, you know, yet JB, I mean, you know, for a first-year beat writer, he was awesome to work with. Uh, he was always very gracious with his time. He always spoke in paragraphs, which makes it easier compared to some coaches where you ask them a question and you may get a two- or three-word response. And uh, just – Awesome to work with overall, and you hate to see something like that happen to, uh, you know, a guy. I mean, you ask around the league, he's he's one of the nicest guys out there. Uh, you know, with that said, you know, you, you kind of mentioned, you know, Jason Wexler and, and Zach Kleiman now being the the new guys in charge. 
uh, a bit of a, a relabel, obviously, since Zach Kleiman was uh, in, involved in things around the trade deadline and mm-hmm. uh, has kind of seen his, his profile grow since he right. joined the Grizzlies uh, four years ago. Uh, you know, yet, uh, you know, me and uh, Pete Ed- Edmondson, who, you know, of course, all the listeners know, also actually athletic, uh, we, we sat down with Zach and Jason yesterday. And, right. You know, they kind of shared their vision of where they want the Grizzlies to go. And a lot of the stuff they said was in contrast to, you know, what Chris Wallace said on Thursday. You know, Chris Wallace said he wanted to make the playoffs next year, and JB was on board with that. Zach and Jason did not commit to the playoffs next year. They said right. that they want to uh, build a long a long term sustainable run of success. Mm-hmm. They're not they're you know, they're not concerned with short term games if it was sacrificed being good in the long term. And if we know one thing about Chris Wallace is that he was more than willing to, you know, sacrifice the long term vision if it meant we could get better now. You know, I mean right. obviously they're trying to convey this this first round pick because they uh traded it to Boston Fears back for Jeff Green, which ended up being a, a really bad trade for the Grizzlies. And then this year you give up two second round draft picks for Justin Holiday, uh, in a season that at that point was already kind of fading away. So I think the biggest thing is that we will see the Grizzlies uh, you know, potentially make some moves that will set up a uh, you know, more of a you know, we're looking to be to be good for years on end and kind of build this thing around Jaron rather than chase the playoffs next year and not really have a plan beyond that. Right. Well, Mario, you, you said something earlier that I'm going to have to give you crap about. Uh, you mentioned how um, JB was good to you and he spoke in long paragraphs and then used short conversations with you. We're not going to act like you weren't JB's personal uh, media member this whole year as well, uh, Mar. We're not, we're not going to just, just let that fly, fly over to the listeners this morning too, man. You know, I got to give you crap about that one. How so? <laughs> man, you know, we joke about how uh, it's, it's like, uh, it's like when you walked in the room, uh, JB perked up a little bit, man. Like he had to, like, like he knew you had his back. I, I, I think you uh, did a good job of taking care of JB this year too, man. But you know, I'm just messing with you, though. Uh, I'm <laughs> but uh, something uh, else that you... I mean, you know, me, 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 and JB certainly got along. Yeah, y'all got but, along. You know, good. At the, yeah, you know, at, at, at the same same time, I mean, you know, you you you, you follow me on on Twitter. You mm-hmm. know, you, you you read our work. You know, we we wrote about it. Jaren should have been playing more. Mm-hmm. And Jaren should have been playing more. You know, we yeah. wrote about. Uh, he wrote Southern Mac a long time, you know, uh, right. you know, he, you know, of course got into his play calling and everything else, you know, like, you know, I've, I've, I've given JB credit for the things he did well, but, mm. uh, you know, at the same, same time, you know, you look at, you know, is this a coach that deserves to come back next season? And there was a lot of evidence that, you know, that answer was no, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, and I think you look at the decision that was made, uh, you know, Zach and, Jason said they wanted to clean slate for next season. Uh, you know, it's not it's not that you know JB was let go. It's more the way that they did it mm-hmm. that you know that uh, I, I I disagree with. Uh, you know, you don't you 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 don't want to kick a coach you know on the way out the door. But as a whole, you know, they say they want a clean slate moving forward, and I think that's a decision that you look at the evidence from last year, and you know, it's understandable why they would want to do so. Well, Mari, I'm a pretty I'm a pretty middle ground guy. I I'm able to kind of find a balance in anything that I hear as far as the Grizzlies go. I can see the good and the bad and I always end up finding myself somewhere in the middle. Um, uh, yeah, the, the timing of the thing was, was, was pretty bad, the way that they went about with the timing as far as, you know, JB had had his ex-interviews with the players. He had his ex-interview with Chris Wallace. Chris Wallace spoke as if he wasn't concerned about his job and he gave a vote of confidence for JB. And then you fired this guy 
and it and it that causes some you you move both of these guys off of their position, and it creates so much uncertainty in the players. You saw Mike Conley come out with the, with the tweet saying no words, um, and you got guys who you got guys who in their interviews with us that morning. There's guys like, uh, namely Valanciunas, Jonas Valanciunas, who said things like, you know, he likes JB's coaching style. He liked the way that JB used him, and how Memphis, you know, plays big man, and they gave him opportunity. And then this guy, he gets his coach ripped out from under him. Now, I'm not saying don't. I'm not saying that firing JB was wrong, but I just feel like there's nothing that JB did now in in April that wasn't an issue in February. You know what I mean? And I'm not necessarily saying you there. There was a moment where you could have fired JB before the end of the season, but you could have let JB know, hey, JB, we're more than likely going in another direction next season. You know, it's it's not like they made this decision. Um, that morning, you know, what I mean, this is something they already were working on, and I, I see the issue with that. But at the bottom line, I don't see the issue with moving on because I don't, I don't want to see JB back next season, and I definitely don't want to see Chris Wallace back next season. And sure, the Grizzlies could have went out and went in another direction as far as hiring a known GM, but you know, it's I'm 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 open to see what's going to happen. You guys sat down with them. Uh, you said yesterday, you and Peter sat down with the new guys. Yeah, me and Pete sat down with them yesterday, and we had you know, and then we, we talked for almost. 40 minutes, you know, about Maverick Thursday, about, mm-hmm. uh, you know, about their personal backgrounds, about what they want this summer, about what they want for next season and beyond. So mm-hmm. it's pretty, have y'all put pretty something out yet? Competent. Have y'all put What's something that? out yet? Or is there something that's coming later? Yeah. 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 We had a story go up on it this, this morning. Okay. I kind of get into what that conversation was about. So, uh, you know, if, if you check my Twitter earlier, I right. message, uh, account, you'll, you'll be able to find that story. But yeah, I've actually I'm actually supposed to give it to those two guys one day next week. They they gave me some they slotted me some time to get with them. So I'm I'm, I'm kind of afraid they might turn into where they they start interviewing me though for some of the things <laughs> that I've said and done over the years. Uh, yeah. But yeah, man, like I said, I'm I'm down, man. I mean, what I mean, I'm not super optimistic about everything that that the way it's went down. And just you know, the way that they're kind of it still seems like they're guys who are being middle managed by Robert Perry. But I you know whatever, man. Like I'm I'm more concerned with them nailing a, a good coach anyway because, you know, if you got a good coach, you really can make things happen regardless of what the front office is doing. But speaking of general manager, uh, some information came out uh, yesterday. I uh, can't remember the guy's name on Twitter, but he put out that Rich Cho, uh, formerly of the Portland Trailblazers and uh, the Charlotte Hornets Bobcats organization, um, he's one of the front runners for um, to be a part of, of the Grizzlies staff as far as the front office is concerned. Uh, I did some digging this uh, morning and also – was able to uh, back that information that he is probably the leading candidate, a guy who's got uh, history with uh, climbing. Climbing served as an intern uh, for him with with Charlotte, and a guy who um, has kind of a sketchy past. Uh, but the thing that you have to think about, of course, in in the Charlotte situation, being under Michael Jordan, uh, you, you wonder how much control he actually had making those decisions that he made. Um, pretty young guy himself. Climbing, of course, is young, only thirty years old. Um, I'm not, I'm not sure of what you know or what you want to add regarding Cho. I don't, you know, I just put stuff, I put stuff out this morning and I ha- I'm a personality on Twitter, so I'm going to do things that are going to engage people, have people laughing or, you know, whatever. I don't really have an opinion on the guy. I don't have to, I don't know too much about him. All these guys are pretty much the same, to be honest with me, to be honest with you, because if they're good, you think they'd have a job. If not, they don't have a job. So it's, it's one of those kind of things. You get I know that's kind of cut and dry and I know it's not that black and white. But uh, what are your opinions on uh, the Rich Cho situation as someone who could possibly be 
the GM of the Grizzlies. I mean, not not the GM, because to my understanding, he's someone who's going to be in to support Climate. That he won't be Climate's boss. That Climate will in fact be over him. So what are, what are your right? Thoughts? Climate, yeah. So 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 Climate is you know essentially the new Chris Wallace, and that he's the one who's leading the day. Can we not call him uh, the next Chris Wallace? <laughs> well, okay, well, you know, as far as Rome, not you know. <laughs> I got you. Uh, but uh, but yeah, you mentioned that that Clyman was a, a, a intern over Rich Cho. Uh, mm-hmm. Going deeply into that, uh, so Clyman was a student at uh, Duke's uh, business school. You know, obviously Duke is about two and a half hours away from Charlotte. Uh, Clyman had a few NBA internships when he was in college, but his senior year at uh, Duke's Law School, he uh, actually kind of created his own in- internship that was during Charlotte's 2012-2013 season where he worked directly under Rich Cho and, uh, you know, was kind of, you know, kind of worked directly under him uh, throughout the season as an intern. And that was his first real extended uh, experience in a front office uh, for, for climbing, that is. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I kind of get into it in the story I wrote this morning, but uh, climbing, he uh, he basically reached out to, to Rich Cho at the time and, you know, pitched that he would, uh, you know, take a two and a half hour train from Durham to Charlotte uh, every Monday morning. He would spend a day working for Charlotte. Uh, he would pay for his own hotel like that Monday night. Tuesday, do the same thing, work all day on their show for the Bobcats at the time. And then uh, he would take the train back to Durham. And he did that two days a week from, I think it was it was September 2012 until April 2013. So that was sort of his first extended run in an NBA front office setting. Mm-hmm. So uh, show was kind of, you know, like one, one, one of the guys I had circled as a, a likely candidate to, uh, you know, kind of enter the front office sphere again and, you know, and reunite with climbing here in Memphis. You know, because they had that, you know, relationship from uh, six and a half years ago. Right. Uh, you know, like, obviously, Cho, uh, his his GM record uh, for the Bobcats last Hornets was a, a bit spotty. Uh, he had some draft picks that didn't work out. He had some free agency signings that didn't pan out. Uh, you know, he, he also did draft Kemba with the, the ninth pick, which, uh, you know, obviously was a, a transformational pick for the franchise. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he also has... Uh, you know, probably the best food blog of any uh, front office official. Not that I know many NBA front office officials that have food <laughs> blogs, but but his food blog is really good. It's, it's, it's worth checking out. You know, the guy knows his way around. Uh, you know, like America in the world as far as where, where to get good food. So uh, this role will be different, of course, than the one he had in Charlotte. You know, at Charlotte, he was the day to day caller. You know, in this role, he will work under climate. So, uh, you know, how much influence he has, you know, exactly what that role will be, you know, assuming he, uh, you know, does join the front office, which, you know, could still be a ways off and nothing is official yet. Uh, it's it's unclear what that role would be, but he uh, does bring years of experience, uh, you know, to the position if he were to get it. And Climate spoke yesterday of wanting to get uh, officials sort of in the, the, the Grizzlies front office war room who come from a variety of backgrounds who, you know, some who have been on the courts right. who cut their teeth in other ways. And, uh, you know, if, if Rich shows one of those people, he will likely be one of several who joined the Grizzlies. So all of that just remains to be seen. Uh, you said something that I totally agree with earlier too, that I wanted to put a diamond to meter on. You talked about um, how it seems like the Grizzlies direction from the type of guys that they're looking at with the Rich Cho and some of the things that they've even said uh, on the record with you guys and other outlets, 
is that uh, they're not concerned with the Chris Wallace, let's keep this thing afloat. Uh, let's worry about, you know, keeping the fans involved. Let's keep this grit and grind thing going. It doesn't seem like they're, that they're those type of guys. But they're all, it does also doesn't seem like they are um, setting up for a complete tank. Something I would like to see as as a fan, because there's a, there's a gray area. There's a middle ground. I'm a big middle ground guy. I think there's a middle ground between tanking, doing what the, the 76ers did, and doing something like what the Nets are doing, where Nets and also the, the Hawks are doing. Where basically they're saying, okay, these are our guys. We're gonna we're gonna let these young guys compete as much as they can and be the best team they can be. But we're not particularly tanking. We're not gonna do anything. We're not gonna do uh, temporary deals um, to make this team better in the short term. We're gonna do things to make them better in the long term. That's something I'm, I'm willing to work with them, and that's what their goal is. I'm willing not to, you know, um, over uh, criticize them if, if that's some, what their goal is. Um, like I said, I, I would like it would have been better for a situation they had brought someone from the outside. But if Kleiman, like you said, I'm, I'm looking more into Kleiman. I'm seeing that he's not just a quote-unquote lawyer like people are saying, that he's someone who's, who's, who's paid his dues and he's been dedicated to basketball. And someone even said that him going to Duke University was part of his plan of ultimately being an NBA executive. That, 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 at first that wasn't the picture that was being painted to me. It was painted that he was a pretty much a lawyer that was kind of overstepping his bounds. But now it seems like he's more of a guy who's who's been grooming himself for um, this day or this opportunity that he has, and I, and I can work with that. That's something I can I can I can get behind, or whatever. Yeah, you know, we're talking about a guy who is, you know, still relatively young. Uh, you know, as far as front office figures go, he's 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 thirty, and uh, he, he graduated from law school six years ago. So it's been a relatively quick rise. Yeah, you know, you see the 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 current trend among the NBA. And, you know, you've, you've, you've seen some, some younger GMs get into place. Mm-hmm. And you've seen guys from law backgrounds who didn't play the game at a high level, uh, you know, kind of step in and and, and be that type of person. Uh, you know, Sam, Sam Hinkie, obviously, you know, the guy that mm-hmm. wasn't known for his playing career. Uh, you know, Daryl Murray in Houston, you know, another guy who kind of fits that mode. And I would say that nothing that, uh, we heard from Jason or from from Zach yesterday would indicate that uh, they are gearing up for a, a, a Sixers esque uh, trust the process run where they aggressively tank and aggressively uh, you know trade assets in in return for for picks or whatever it may be uh, that that remains to be seen really mm-hmm. uh, they they spoke of you know chasing long term sustainable success over short term games and I would certainly imply that. They're comfortable not making the playoffs if it means that they can better position themselves for the future. Uh, to the extent that they do that remains to be seen. But uh, they also seem to very deliberately want to set themselves apart from Chris Wallace, who, right. you know, as we mentioned earlier, uh, was sort of the opposite in that he was very comfortable with, uh, you know, trading off future assets if it meant getting better right now, even if it didn't always lead to them getting better at the present, you know, such as that Justin Holiday trade in, in January where you give up this year's pick and next year's second round pick. So uh, so we don't know what that's going to look like yet, but uh, it'll definitely be some semblance of a rebuild and that they're trying to get this team to contention and not just to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Well, something, well, here's my thing though, Amari. This is where I kind of call crap or I'll give the side out on some of the things that I'm hearing um, when, when you're interviewed or whatever. Because like I said, it's, it's a not-so-big secret that Kleiman has been involved with the team's decisions already this season, that he's not a guy who's – this isn't first day on the job 
Zach Kleiman. He's he's been involved in things that the Grizzlies have done. A lot of speculation says that he came on he came um he came up in the in the organization around the time that um the botched uh Brooks, Dylan Brooks, Marshawn Brooks straight, and he started getting more involved. There are some people that say that, you know, he was responsible for the Chandler Parsons departure and bringing him back, that whole debacle. And there was, he was part of the Justin Holiday trade, which traded future assets for a temporary player. So, like I said, he, he has a limited resume in the time that he's been here. So, you know, we don't know. Like, you know, I, I, I hear what they're saying, but I've also seen him do things that have been questionable, you know what I mean, so far this season. I think that if the Marcus All trade was on him, I loved it. Uh, it took me a while to get sold on it originally, the day of the trade. But you look at it, you you got back a guy in DeLon Wright who you're probably going to get it at, at. You probably should be able to get it at a decent price. You got uh, Jonas Valanciunas who has been phenomenal. Even a guy like C.J. Miles you got in that trade who, even though he's opt-in and more than you probably would have paid for him in the open market, he's a guy who's a veteran leader. He can knock down shots for you. He's a guy who's a career three-point shooter. He had an offseason this year. But I wouldn't be surprised if C.J. Miles had, if his numbers got more closer to form. Uh, next season with the team. Like I said, I predict him possibly having a season kind of like Vince Carter had his last season here where he's the guy who kind of surprises you in the role he's he that he plays, be, having more minutes or having a, a training camp in his back pocket. Uh, like I said, if, if that's if that's a climbing move, I'm I'm fine with that. Uh, being able to sh- uh, shed salary with Avery Bradley, having a guy where you can take a look at him and say, if I, do I want to keep this guy? Do I want to trade him? Or do I want to take advantage of his contract situation that does give cap relief? So, like I said, I'm kind of in the middle on climbing because, you know, I'm, I'm hearing these things he's responsible for, but I can't really get a feel on what he is. But, of course, he, if he brings in a guy like Rich Cho, like you said, or other guys who have uh, NBA experience, uh, they, they can put a good team together. I'm open, man. I'm, I'm willing to see what they have going on. We'll see what, you know, who the real Zach Climbing is over the, the next year or so for sure. Uh, yeah, there, there, there may be a difference between, you know, Climbing, who is a – uh, you know, uh, a, a member of a, a, a greater whole of, uh, mm. you know, people making these decisions. And, you know, that may be different from Zach Kleinman, who uh, has more influence now as the person with the official title and, you know, the official public space, mm. you know, being the person who will address the media after these moves are made and will have to uh, defend them a- accordingly. And, uh, you know, and what he said yesterday uh, does contrast to a degree uh, to some of the previous moves right. that the team has made, you know, so whether, you know, Kleinman was one who was directly responsible for that, uh, you know, like obviously, you know, depending on who you, who you talk to, you hear varying levels of his exact influence on all of this stuff. Right. Uh, you know, yet, you know, he seems to be aware that some of the stuff the Grizzlies have done, not only this past season, but, you know, in season past before that did not pan out. So, you know, again, we'll see where he kind of falls on all of this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're right. You know, the stuff he's saying does sound good. You know, obviously, mm-hmm. he still has to make the right hires. He still right. has to find the coach. You know, he still has to uh, commit to a direction for this team moving forward. So we'll just see how that plays out. Well, yeah, well, Mark, we appreciate you coming on this morning, man. And you said that your article, uh, based on the interview with Climbing and Wexler, that's up on theathletic.com. Is that correct? Yeah, that's up on theathletic.com now. So, uh, you know, if anyone wants to ch- uh, check it out, you can um, check out my Twitter. That's uh, at Omari, O-M-A-R-I, dot Sankofa, S-A-N-K-O-F-A. And, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, a pretty long piece uh, kind of breaking on everything we were told yesterday. So uh, go ahead and check that out. 
All right, well, Mar, we appreciate you coming out again. That was Amari Sankova from The Athletic. Like he said, uh, he was able to sit down and get an interview with uh, Jason Wexler and uh, Zach Kleiman yesterday. And um, articles from that, based on those interviews, are out available today on TheAthletic.com. Uh, it's a great interview we had just then with Amari, a guy who came in running uh, to the city of Memphis, just really doing his thing, covering the Grizzlies. We're about to take a break. When we come back, we have Contar Macklin, who's the commissioner of 901 Wrestling, a local guy who has an awesome story he's going to share with you guys today. Uh, and he's going to tell you about 901 Wrestling and some of the things they have going on. Plus, he's a big Tiger basketball fan, so I'm sure we're going to talk about some Tiger basketball as well. And we see you guys on the other side of the break, and we'll be back.